person. I like to tell myself it's because of an addict. Hello? Hey, Mom, I need to ask you I to... can't talk. I like to tell myself it's because my mom sucked and I didn't know my dad. What is this? Why are you saying you're my daughter? Because I'm your daughter. I really want to get to know you, but I just don't think I can do this right now. I'm not asking to move in with you or anything. I, just... I didn't even know you existed, and now all of a sudden... The girl? He's coming for me. He's coming for you, too. We gotta go! Well, 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 what is he? No clue. We're gonna go find out. The girl was there. A shadow attack with her? Like an interdimensional kind of parasite? You know what I'm talking about? You know he's after you and me, not your wife. Who is that? Will you keep her safe? You come with me. I know it doesn't make sense. Is this really your daughter? 90% of the stuff that people talk about is magic. It's not magic. It's just people with their own beliefs. Jackson, look. What? I need help. Their own ideas. Please call me back. I just need to know that you're safe. Listen and communicate to people. We need a name for him. You cool with Chompy? Yeah, okay. That's what life's about. That's what we're here to do. Great while there's other bonding experience. You pulled a knife on my wife. That kind of sounds like a doctor seat's friend. Get your shoes on. We are in for quite an interesting night. You don't have to live like this anymore. We need a plan, okay? Because if we don't have a plan, we just sit here eating pancakes and then we all die. The table's wet. Gross. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, those of you with large appetites. <laughs> if that doesn't make sense, uh, just hold on for a sec. We'll explain all. Yeah, Mike, I'm doing pretty well. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Now that we're back to recording Mondays, I was about to say no more room in hell because we just recorded that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get those, you know, every so often a Monday where it's our second day in a, in a row. from. Recording. Oh, for me, it's going to be most Mondays. I mean, between because most of my monthly stuff records on Sundays. So, yeah. Ah, OK. Yeah. So I think Sunday, Sunday, Monday is now my podcasting weekend. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, we're finally getting like somewhat of a taste of fall here. Which is Are we? Like, it's like it was 91 today. <laughs> yeah, here it was 80, which is the lowest it's been, and I can't even remember anymore. Yeah. It is getting just, cooler here now, too. I mean, even though I say it was 90 today, 90 is still less than the 102 from you know, the last couple of weeks. So Yeah, I don't know how your guys, because I know it can be regional, too, where uh, like you're high and low for the day. Some places will hold steady, but I'll, at least here, when it's only in the 90s, it means that at least the morning will still be like a, a little brisk and cool. Sure. So, I'm in the San Fernando Valley, too, so generally our temperatures are about 10 to 12 degrees higher than the rest of L.A., so. Oh, yeah. Yep, no yeah. water near me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, and, and joining us as well, it's Don. What's up, Don? How are you? 
Yeah, what's uh, going on, folks? Just uh, trying to figure out where the fuck you guys are talking about with the sun, because I was overcast in the low sixty, in the high sixties today. Oh, I wish. <laughs> How yeah. far apart are you and Venom? Uh, about like, an hour, maybe. Right. Uh, probably closer to two, because okay. I'm on the south of LA. Oh uh, yeah. How close are you to like San Diego? Uh, I I checked it. I'm like an hour from uh, downtown LA and like two and a half hours from San Diego. Oh, if you're so an hour from downtown LA, you're less than an hour and a half from me. So what about like Oceanside? Are you close to that? I'm probably closer Ocean... to Ocean. I'm probably closer to Oceanside than San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that's somewhere in between. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm saying I don't go Austin. down. I don't usually go down that far. Um, I'm usually always going north because mm-hmm. I because I'm an hour south of L.A. and I usually always head towards L.A. or um, areas around in there for work. But I hardly ever travel south. So, yeah, I, I'm probably closer to Oceanside than San Diego, but uh, I'm closer to to L.A. than San Diego. Okay. All right. Well, geography lesson out of the way for today for uh, (laughs) a portion of Southern California. (laughs) Uh, So this week, yeah, another week off from the theater. We get a a break before October kicks up. Mm -hmm. And we decided to do a movie. I have a feeling a lot of people have not only not seen this, but probably not even heard of this because... I hadn't either until it was suggested, and that would be Chompy and the Girls. Yes, that is the title (laughs) of this one. Uh, Let's see. The synopsis goes as follows. A troubled woman meets her father for the first time, and their encounter goes awkward to alarming when they witness a man swallow a little girl whole. (laughs) Yeah, that about sets the table. Um so, yeah, I guess we'll get right into this with general thoughts. Venom, what did you think of Chompy and the Girls? Um, this is a horror comedy that, once again, I've said this before on this show when we reviewed horror comedies. This is a horror comedy that's neither scary nor really all that funny. It has its moments. Um, most of the comedy in this movie is going to be its quirkiness, the way, I, as I like to call it. It's got a very quirky sense of humor. It's got, like... You know, some fun lugging, fun loving, like, you know, drug addicted characters. We've got a fish out of water character and Sam. Um, And it's really more about how these different um, people from, you know, different uh, parts, walks of life kind of interact with each other. I think that's a big part of the comedy. Um, Overall, I don't know. I I had a mildly good time with this movie. I, I, Part of the reason that I, I kind of ca- campaigned for this one was because of Udo Kier. And I, I'm a huge Udo Kier fan. Unfortunately, we're not actually getting Udo Kier. We're getting his voice, and we're only getting it in one scene. Uh, ultimately, it's a pretty effective scene. You know, it, it, it's got some good um, exposition, kind of explaining everything that you need to know moving forward after that scene. So it's not necessarily a terrible uh, scene necessarily. It's just, I, I, you know, I was disappointed to not actually physically have Udo Kier in the movie. Maybe if I'd have watched a trailer, I might have known that, but no. So um, I don't know. This is a weird movie because it's really hard to recommend. Like, I don't know who I would recommend this to. 
Um, like I said, it, it's not nearly as funny as like something like Witness Infection or even um, Slacks that we did earlier in the year. And Slacks, if you guys remember me saying, I didn't even really like the comedy that much in that one because it was more um, kind of bullying, frustrating comedy. And I still found that one funnier than this. Um, not to say that this one isn't funny at all. Like I said, it's got a very dry humor, but without that British wit, because I know most people, when they say dry humor, they're kind of implying British humor. Um, and it seems like they kind of at times are going for that, but they're failing miserably, in my opinion. Like the, the, the comedy is very dry, but without, uh, you know, that British um, kind of tinge to it, it, it kind of loses a lot in the translation. Nothing in the movie is really you know, side splitting funny by any stretch. Um, and then Chompy himself. I mean, you know, we, we heard our description. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, an estranged father and his daughter that he didn't even know he had get back together. And while having that awkward first meeting ever, uh, they witness, you know, Chompy as they end up calling him. Chompy is not the actual name of this creature. I'm not sure if we actually got an official name for him, but that's basically what, uh, uh, the girl Jackson in this movie calls him because he is basically a giant mouth. Uh, he's he looks basically like a human when he's just walking around. But then he he opens his mouth and it extends to the point where it's like it covers his whole torso. So basically his mouth is now gigantic, goes all the way down to his crotch and he's able to like, swallow humans whole, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, once we get the reveal, uh, you know. We tend to maybe change our allegiances a little bit, but, you know, we'll get into that in the spoiler section. Overall, this is a movie that's good, not great. It's uh, it's not really all that memorable other than Chompy himself as kind of a awkward, quirky little character. But ultimately, this is a movie that I'm not going to say I um, disliked or regretted spending my 90 minutes with, but it's a movie that is definitely underwhelming, could have done a lot of stuff better. Um, maybe leaned more towards the slap, the slapstick angle, um, which a lot of horror comedies tend to do stuff like Tucker and Dale, Shaun of the Dead. Um, but this, this movie didn't really utilize too much of that style of comedy, unfortunately. Um, so it's just, it's one of those movies that just, it's there. I don't dislike it. I don't really like it all that much. It's just kind of a middle of the road. I would probably give it a five out of 10 if I had to give it a rating. Cause it's literally, you know, it's a well-made movie. It looks decent. Some of the CG might be a little questionable. Like when Chompy's mouth actually extends, you know, you might have a little bit of issue with that. And then there's, um, there's a scene or two that are, kind of filmed in a, in a nether realm, if you will, just something that's not our reality. So obviously CG backgrounds, you know, lots of weird lighting, stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, if that's something that sounds interesting to you, then I would say go ahead and check out Chompy. But um, it's not a movie that I'm really going to be able to recommend to a lot of people, despite me, as I said, mildly enjoying it. That's, that's about the best I can say about it without, you know, without chopping it down and saying that it's a piece of crap, which it's absolutely not. It's not. It's just a movie that's only going to hit for certain people. And I'm just not one of those people. So yeah, fairly middle of the road for me. All right. Dom Chompy and the girls. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of in line with venom, um, on a lot of the factors. Uh, it actually took me a while to realize this was actually supposed to be a comedy. Uh, I thought it was actually just supposed to be like a dark, 
you know, okay, there was like a whimsical premise, but it was actually like a lot more of a darker take on it. And and it actually took me a while to realize, oh, crap, this is actually supposed to be a comedy because everything around here is, you know, the initial setup is like way too dark and depressing for the kind of film that we actually get. You know, the girl trying to, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but uh, yeah, it took me a while to realize it was a comedy. And by the end, it didn't do anything to really win me over and thinking it was actually supposed to be funny. Um, a lot of this, I was actually just kind of like just watching it straight faced and not even like not even like generating a chuckle or anything like it was more just like wacky characters in a wacky premise. But everybody was trying to play the wackiness straight, mm-hmm. like the idea of, you know, the guy going around eating these girls is supposedly like this terrible thing. But yet it's actually rather silly when you think about it. Like, that was the way it was going around, and it was just this weird kind of this, like, tonal disconnect that wasn't really registering. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, like Venom said, where we get the reveal that I felt it was like, you know, okay, I, I get what's going on, and I'm starting to get into it a little bit more. But by that point, we're, like, what, nearly an hour into this where we figure out what's going on? or mm-hmm. they're Not like an hour, but like around, like, the 45, 50-minute mark, but... Yeah. Even still, you know, like the final half, it is a little, I, I, I do enjoy it a little bit more, but yeah, um, I, I find this middle of the road. I'm still debating over whether or not I can actually qualify this as a horror film. I'm kind of, kind of like, I'm like on the fringe thinking about it, like, especially with the way the reveal happens and the way it plays into what's going on. It kind of just, it's teetering on the borderline for me. I, I don't think it's a bad film like he said it's well made everything looks generally impressive especially the way that they pull off the reveal in what that means to the rest of the film going forward and how everything plays out but yeah it's just one of those i'm kind of just meh about you know it's not especially hilarious it's not you know really scary it's you know just it's kind of there it's it's a film i watched and it's something that you know I can say counts, you know, for 2020, you know, my movie watches, but eh, am I going to really remember this two, three weeks from now or two, three days from now after looking up my notes? Probably not. So, yeah. Um, Not much more to say because uh, a lot of other stuff is going to be a spoiler or whatnot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Venom, kind of just disappointed in the middle of the road. All right. Um, as far as I go, Chomping the Girls, I'll, sounds like I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more than you guys. Um, I definitely think, you know, overall, it is kind of middle of the road. I also didn't even realize it was supposed to be a comedy. With that said, I, I did laugh at parts, but not because they were supposed to be especially comedic. Is just some of the absurdity in what i'm witnessing um anytime the uh how how do i refer to this thing because i don't want to give away anything the thing (laughs) with the mouth (laughs) anytime he's on screen i mean i'm just kind of laughing just because of what i'm i'm seeing (laughs) um I think what the what the movie gets right, you know, it we it, it's a definitely a lower budget, small cast. I, I think they do a good job writing the characters to where 
I did genuinely care kind of about them, um, what they set up, like how, you know, why they're kind of connected in a way, which we can get into during spoilers. I think it was a good idea for a movie like this to kind of get to where it was going pretty quick because we get our first look at this creature pretty soon. Um, I think it's like the third scene of the movie maybe. Um, so they don't keep us waiting too long. Um, but then the, I guess the downside to that is like his first kind of chase after, or what we think is a chase after a character. That's probably one of the best scenes in the movie. And it happens within like the first 15, 20 minutes and because of like how entertaining to, uh, to me that scene was, I thought, okay, from here on, it's going to be like this nonstop. And if, if I'm going to detract anything from the rest of the way is like the absurdity didn't just keep up. Like they should, to me, once we kind of got the reveal, of what was going on, what this thing was, I'm like, just put the pedal to the metal because a movie like this is, that's kind of what you need to elevate it. And it kind of lulled, a little too much um once we get like the reveal of kind of what's really going on that was fine but then it's i don't know to me it, it kind of made it a little less interesting um and we can get into that as well during spoilers but um yeah the the character with that giant mouth what i would compare it to is if, if anyone's seen the uh the game show Double Dare from back in the day at the end with the <laughs> obstacle horse, they would have that giant mouth that you had to reach into to try to get a flag from. <laughs> now it's not quite that huge, but put that in like the frame of like from the level of your mouth to like the middle of your torso, like oh, that no, size. But that, yeah, like, that's what the prosthetic looked like to me. That's what yeah. it reminded me of. <laughs> um, so you can imagine like just, to me, the comedy wasn't in the movie being funny necessarily. It was just more about like, wow, this is actually what I'm watching. Like, I that's what I was like laughing at, and maybe that was their intention. I don't know the, the absurdity of it being the comedy as opposed to like the script itself. Because I didn't really find like the situation funny necessarily. Right? Yeah. It, it was just more the absurdity of it. Um, overall, yeah, I I enjoyed my time with it. It's not going to end up on a top list, but I am kind of interested to see what more people will think of this as it gets around, just because, mm-hmm. you know, it, I don't think many people have seen this at all yet. If it um, gets around, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't know what kind of legs this has, except for, like, the really diehard people that just watch everything, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, for me, it was all about Udo Kier. It's, I, I am one of those, uh, you know, star seekers, if you will, and sometimes... If I see a certain star uh, listed in the cast uh, for a movie, I'll just watch it, you know, Um, especially if it's something that's just available on VOD, nothing that I have to go to too much trouble to get a hold of. And, you know, when I saw Udo as, you know, getting fairly top, fairly high billing in this and, uh, you know, and then we end up seeing what he actually does. It's a little disappointing. I mean, it's still great to hear his voice regardless. I mean, he's got such a distinctive voice. It's, you know. Him and like uh, Herner, uh, Werner Herzog, yeah, the, the, such distinctive voices. You know, you can you can recognize them right away. So, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, I did enjoy this movie. I, I legit did. It's just, um, it's nothing that I could possibly recommend really to much of anybody. Maybe, <laughs> um, 
ah, man, I talk about the quirkiness of this film, and yeah, it just, it it seemed to just get quirkier and quirkier as the movie went along. Yeah, but quirky doesn't always necessarily mean funny, though. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that's 100% true. Um, I, I was laughing a little bit early on, like when they first got to the party looking for Lotus, um, obviously, you know, the first scene with Chompy, it's so weird that you almost have to let out a little bit of a chuckle. You can't take it too seriously. Um, but then just as the night went on and as more characters started interacting with each other, I just found myself more and more frustrated. Like, you know, the comedy is really just coming from these people's interactions with each other. You know, Sam is such a different person from Jackson, who's just such a different person from Deborah, who's such a different person from Lotus that, you know, you put them all together and, you know, writers think that it's comedy gold. Yeah, sometimes it is. Eh, I'm not going to say it is here. Um, in all honesty, I can't even really pick out a single character that I really would say that shined in this movie, you know? I mean, Jackson, uh, played by Christy St. John, she's an attractive girl. Um, nothing wrong with her performance, necessarily. I, I think she plays, uh, a, you know, a recovering drug addict fairly well, uh, believable. But, I mean, yeah, no individual characters in this movie really jumped out to me, other than Chompy himself, but that's obviously just because of the absurdity of the character. Um, but yeah, it's really too bad. I think there was a lot of opportunities here for some legit comedy. You know, you're dealing with, especially with a party scene where you're dealing with drunk and, you know, drugged out characters there, it should be really easy to come up with some comedy there. And really all they really concentrated on for the majority of that party scene was Jackson and Sam, you know, the two people that were following throughout the entirety of the film. And, you know, maybe if they would have given us a little bit of just, you know, some of the side characters or characters that we'll never see again and just have them do something silly or funny, then, you know, it might have added to the comedic value of this. But ultimately, eh, like I said, middle of the road's about the best I could possibly say about this one. But I, like I said, I don't know that I'll ever watch this again. And uh, I don't know that it's really going to get much legs in the community, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's one of the kind of challenges. The movie almost felt like it was trying to navigate because I'm sorry if if within the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of your movie, you're revealing this giant mouth prosthetic as (laughs) like the, the, you know, on the the main guy, villain, alien thing or whatever you're kind of setting it up to be like an absurd movie and I'm okay with absurdity, but then it like almost tries to settle down and still be serious in a way. Um, but then throw in these bits of absurdity. I'm just like, man, like if I think basically what I'm trying to say is like the movie at the beginning with that first attack, it felt like this is what we're getting an absurd movie. And like, Uh I'm all for like, keep dialing it up, like build towards something. And then, when that third act hits like really go for it, but it felt like they began with the absurd and sprinkled a little bit in at various points through the rest of the movie, but they never really like just stuck to that and they kept dialing it back. Like, and I wish they wouldn't have. Yeah, no, that's valid. I mean, especially for an independent production, you know, you're not relying on theatrical ticket sales. Fuck it. Go crazy. Go nutty. Try to build an audience. I mean, try to build a franchise, if you will. 
Um, I'm not going to say that it would be an impossibility for this to turn into a little bit of a franchise. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be Chompy every time. It could be one of his brethren, you know, in, in subsequent sequels. But at the same time, I, I just don't know that this one really has the power to attract enough of an audience to, you know, get the interest up for a sequel. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, this might be it for Chompy. <laughs> Chompy gets chomped. Yeah. Oh man, I was actually gonna name our chat today. How much chomp could a chomp chompy chomp if a chomp chompy could chomp chomp? But it doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also pro- probably far better title than what actually would have given the film crew. <laughs> Quite valid, yes. <laughs> All right, what do you uh, say, Mike? Ready to spoil this? Yeah. <laughs> yep. What there is to spoil, sure. Yeah, that's the great thing about this movie. There's not really a whole lot going on. The description, um, even though the synopsis on IMDb basically tells you about the, you know, the woman meeting her estranged father and then witnessing a man swallow a girl whole. It's like that really is like the biggest plot point of the film. It's like when you see that it is. It's silly. It's mildly shocking. It's, you know, depending on how you take it, the mood you're in. Um, like Mike said, it could definitely set up the the tone for the rest of the movie. Unfortunately, they kind of left that tone alone because I even have in my notes here, like for the first act of this movie, it has it follows vibes. You know what I mean? Like a mysterious threat following them somehow is always catching up to them, even though they're not leaving trails or breadcrumbs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I definitely I thought that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. And, and I, I can see that. I was actually, even though I'm not the biggest fan of It Follows, and that's a conversation for another show, um, I was still kind of hoping that's where they were going, that they were going with some kind of, you know, um, ancient... An absurdist, an absurdist yeah. over-the-top take on It Follows. That could have been fun. Exactly. Because, I mean, maybe that's what I was looking for with the original It Follows, and maybe that's why it didn't really make me all that happy. So, uh, so yeah, we, we get our initial attack. Um, it's in the middle of the day. It's literally broad daylight. The sun is shining uh, Jackie and Sam have gotten together after uh, Jackson. And mind you, our movie opens with a suicide attempt. Basically, uh, Jackson, our our heroine of the film, basically tries to kill herself. Um, unfortunately, she doesn't have a basic understanding of physics because she actually thinks that an apartment ceiling fan could hold up a human body. But, you know, that whatever. I'm not going to judge her. Yeah, I want to say this isn't the first movie where someone's made that mistake, because I swear I've seen that before where someone tries to do that. But but in other movies, like, they're successful. Like, I've seen movies where people will hang themselves on a ceiling fan, and they'll hang there. Their body will hang there until they die, and it's like, that's almost physically impossible. Like, I, I don't even think they make ceiling fans purposely to hold up that much support because you know anything could get tangled up in the ceiling blades so you kind of want that leeway that give if it you know if a certain amount of weight hits it so yeah uh, but again it's a movie it's fiction suspension of disbelief blah 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 (laughs) but anyway luckily the as expected the ceiling fan gives way it falls out of the uh the ceiling panel uh, she ends up falling to the floor, is unsuccessful in her uh, suicide attempt, and then she tries to call a drug dealer uh, to try to pick up some heroin. Unfortunately, she's broke. She has no money. She's trying to come at it under the guise of wanting to hang out, quote unquote, with the drug dealer and maybe smoke a little something while they're hanging out. But she has no intention of actually purchasing purchasing anything once the drug dealer figures this out. 
uh, he kind of hangs up on her and tells her to go on her merry way. And then this is what confuses me. After a failed suicide attempt and a failed attempt to get heroin, then she decides to call her estranged father, who, mind you, she found over six months ago. Uh, quick backstory there. Um, Jackson, uh, the girl, her father, Sam, and the and Jackson's mother got together in college. They dated for three years. They ended up breaking up. Uh, the woman left college. She ended up moving back home before she knew she was pregnant. Once she was back home after leaving college, she realized she was pregnant and for whatever reason did not attempt to contact Sam. So there's there's multiple scenes in this movie where Jackson kind of throws it in Sam's face of, oh, you know, you've never been the father I needed. And it's like, well, wait a minute. He was never fucking told he had a kid. Who the hell are you to yell at him for this? You know, the mom made a purposeful decision not to tell him that he had a child. She had the child, raised him. And apparently she even uh, the mom always told the daughter who her dad was like there was never a mystery or anything. It, it was just the kind of thing that the daughter didn't find him until she was a little bit older and had the means to be able to do searches and things like that. So um, as of right now, as of the start of the movie, she's known where her father is, where he lives, it even has his phone number. Uh, for the last like six months. So like I said, they get back, uh, they uh, back to the park. They witness the attack uh, Chompy, you know, with his mouth wide open. And then he basically starts walking at, towards them, um, you know, very much like uh, the, the uh, antagonist in it follows where they're like emotionless, no emotion on the face, arms perfectly to the side. And they're just kind of walking at, at a brisk pace. They're not running. They're not, you know, they're just kind of walking. And um, hence the It Follows vibes. And uh, basically, once they realize that this that this person swallowed this girl whole, they both decide to uh, they get into their individual cars and they take off. They don't say goodbye. I'll call you later. Literally, they're both because Chompy is literally walking towards them. And then uh, and then, like I said, Chompy is not the actual name of this thing. Jackson decides to call him Chompy because he's all mouth and he's, he can swallow people whole. So, and they, there's actually a cute little scene where she, where she actually tells Sam, Hey, I'm going to call him Chompy. If you can think, if you can't think of anything better, is that cool? Can we just go with that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Um, so collectively everyone just calls this thing Chompy. So later that evening, Jackson's in her apartment. Um, and she, she gets like banging on the door. She opens the door and there is Chompy uh, with mouth not extended. He's in his normal like human form. Then he walks into the, the room, uh, her apartment, which looks like literally a studio apartment, like one big room. Uh, walks in there, slowly tries to kind of advance on her. She is able to hold him off with a broom, just kind of pushing him away. Uh, luckily, Chompy is not very agile, so she's able to just run right by him and just run out of the house. She gets in her car. She ends up driving to Sam's house, which is kind of a no-no. Like They, they kind of agreed to only communicate over text so that Sam wouldn't have to tell Deborah, his wife, that he actually has a daughter he didn't know about. But, of course, Sam shows up at his house and, uh, you know, or excuse me, Jackson shows up at Sam's house and tells Sam, we got to go right now. Chompy is after us. Sam, of course, doesn't believe her. And, of course, Deborah, Sam's wife, has no idea what the hell's going on. She actually at first thinks that uh, Sam and Jackson are actually fucking, that they're actually like uh, having a little bit of a relationship until it's until Jackson just flat out says, no, I am his daughter. I am not having sex with him, blah, blah, blah. 
But obviously, <laughs> at, at the exact same time, Chompy is making his way towards the apartment, towards or, uh, the house, where it's Sam's house now. So, and, uh, funny thing is, so I watched this for a second time. Like, I threw it on while I was working today. And when I initially watched it last night, I must have, like, missed the quick scene where he looks at his phone where she's like texting him like, Hey, yep. meet me at the park where it explains that she's a daughter. So I miss that part. So when they, when they get to the house or when she's at the house and the wife's like, are you fucking my husband? And she's like, no, I'm the daughter. Like I legit thought like she was not that she was lying about the affair, but lying about being the daughter because I thought she was just trying to come up with a quick excuse to like wow. fend off the wife's aggression and then obviously later in the movie, you realize I realized I must have missed something. So then when I watched it today, I was like, oh, there we go. That's I totally missed that the first time. <laughs> Did you time. miss the entire conversation in the park? <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the yeah, I think so. I mean, because I mean, the whole conversation. Yeah, it's kind of what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, geez, you guys get after me for missing shit. I yeah. Mean, what the hell? Well, that's why I watched it again. I I knew I was like I'm definitely gonna be watching this again because I'm a, I I I knew that it was too obvious that she was the daughter. That I was like there has to have been something I missed at like. the beginning that explained it. Yeah, even yeah, they actually do. Thing, like when they when they meet in the park and they're face to face for the first time, I was like, whoa, like they have the same nose and mouth. Holy shit, they're definitely related. So. It it definitely made sense for whatever it's worth. Like, I didn't think it was a scam as soon. Because at first I thought, you know, because obviously this girl's a drug addict. It's already been established that she's a heroin addict. So when, when, when she randomly texts somebody saying, I'm your daughter, we've never met, I'm thinking, oh, the, you know, she just got this number and she's going to scam this guy for money. But once they actually meet in the park and you see how much alike they look, it's like, whoa, this ain't a scam. This is legit. So, you know, kudos there at least. Good casting. And I, I actually kind of like the wife character. I think she handles all this pretty well. Deborah like, is a character that I liked as the movie went along. Like, obviously, the first scene that she's in, she's kind of made to be cantankerous, you know, um, constantly at odds with uh, Sam, no matter what nice thing Sam does. Even when he brought home dinner, she was upset that it was just sandwiches, that it was just subs for dinner. She's like, that's not dinner food. So obviously that's how she's introduced as this cantankerous wife who doesn't give a shit about her husband. Uh, but as Apparently she's also along, never eaten at our house because we eat subs like three times a week. Oh shit! I live on sandwiches. Oh yeah, yeah. She she would hate being married to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so obviously that was a like I said a purposeful intention uh, by the filmmakers to try to make her hateable right away. But literally, I mean, as Mike said, as the movie goes along, you really start to kind of feel for her, you know, because ultimately she's an innocent victim in in all of this, you know, no, she didn't thrust this upon herself. You know, uh, this, this girl comes out to her husband saying, I'm your daughter. And now Deborah has to deal with this. And it's almost not fair when you think about it. It's, I mean, everything happens so fast in this movie. This entire movie takes place like in one night, actually. Yeah. One day, one full day. Um, with the majority of the film taking place at night. So, yeah, it's like so much is thrust on Deborah that if if 
it's easy to hate her because of the first couple of scenes that we see her in. But if you really just sit down and think about what she's gone through, she's not the villain by any stretch, you know, even though she does kind of end up uh, doing something major later that uh, kind of fucks up everything for everybody. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm with Mike. Deborah actually does turn out to be very likable by the end of the movie. Almost to the point that I hope they don't split up, even though they still kind of have that joke that they're going to get a divorce. I, I actually kind of hope they make it for whatever it's worth. All right. So let's see. Where are we? So we're at Sam's house. Jackson just showed up um, telling everybody everything. Um, obviously, Deborah doesn't believe anything that Jackson is saying. Uh, but then she looks out the window and she sees our boy Chompy walking down the street, literally down the middle of the street, not on the sidewalk, but walking down the middle of the street in his little hurried pace that he has. And Deborah instantly is like, well, who's that? And Jackson and Sam both look out the window and they're like, oh shit, we gotta go. Now what's funny is that they left leaving Deborah alone. Why did they assume Chompy wouldn't attack Deborah? That's a, that was a weird choice, like a weird decision to not take Deborah with them the first time. I honestly uh, didn't even realize it until now, actually. Yeah, yeah right. they left her there alone. Luckily, Chompy doesn't care about Deborah. He's going after, um, well, he's going after something else, which we haven't gotten to yet. But, you know, at this point in the film, we think that Chompy is chasing Jackson and Sam because they witnessed him swallowing that little girl. That's obviously the guys that we're all under at this point. So. At this point, um, Jackson decides that she's going to try to enlist the friend of uh, the, the help of her friend Lotus, who is uh, basically her uh, one of her drug dealers, um, a black dude, pretty, pretty cool character, you know, not hateable, but he he basically he does something really weird in the film. He witnesses during his party. Um, uh, where Jackson and Sam are there trying to convince him to go with them so that he could, because um, I, I forgot to mention that Lotus is a believer of the supernatural and that he has a lot of books and um, pamphlets and things that kind of talk about, you know, the, how to protect yourself, you know, divination circles, things like that, protection circles. Um, so anyway, uh, before they're able to get Lotus out of the party, he witnesses a guy roofie a girl or attempt to roofie a girl. Basically, uh, he sees these two people talking and then the girl turns around like her her attention is distracted by something. And at the moment that she turns around, the guy that she's talking to pulls a pill out of his pocket and throws it in her drink. Lo a Lotus witnesses this, but he witnesses this at the exact same time that Jackson and Steve are trying to explain everything that's happening. So Lotus basically has shut them out. He's not listening to them at all. And as the girl who, uh, you know, who just potentially got roofied, reaches for her drink and goes to take a sip out of it, Lotus dives towards her and takes the cup out of her hand. And you know, most intelligent people would probably just throw the drink on the ground or down the sink or whatever. Exactly what he says. Cause yeah. he acts, <laughs> I mean, he questions them rightfully so about just dumping it. Exactly. And then, so instead of dumping it, he literally takes the cup and drinks it himself, downs the entire drink. So he basically roofied himself. I mean, assuming, you know, that, that, that guy was trying to roofie the girl and not do something even more nefarious but yeah he ends up taking the drink so literally for the next i would say 40 to to 60 minutes of the film he's just in a stupor he's basically comedy comic relief 
for uh, the next, I'd say, 10, 15 minutes until he passes out. And then he he ends up passing out and staying passed out for the majority of the uh, rest of the film, thankfully. Well, this is a, well. Um, real quick, this is something I yep. did want to ask you because I think you may be the one that might have experience on this. So. Did it seem unnecessarily weird that he was coherent uh, as long as he was? I thought that was supposed to knock you out like maybe ten, fifteen minutes after ingesting it, but it was like almost an immediate knockout. Like I thought um, that was how they worked. In this particular I, case. Lotus being a drug dealer, I'm going to assume that he has a little bit more of a tolerance than the girl because the girl looked young. You know, she didn't really look like she had a lot of experience with drugs. You know, maybe she smoked some weed, did some acid, whatever. But um, she doesn't look like a hardcore drug addict, whereas Lotus, who is a drug dealer, probably has a pretty good tolerance. That's actually what I was thinking of, because then when he actually does pass out, I'm like, what a bitch, <laughs> you know, with all the experience you have with drugs, how does a roofie knock you out? And then I'm thinking if a roofie knocked out Lotus, it would have killed that girl. That guy was using a way too okay, strong so, roofie. So, I mean, so that's that, my that's my guess. That's my guess. So, but I'm just saying is that it actually depends on your tolerance to it. Um, well, all drugs depend on your tolerance to it. I mean, literally any drug in the world, crack, weed, coke, it doesn't matter. Um, if you use it a lot, you need to use more than say a first time user to get the same high. Um, so like I said, that based on my experience with pills, I would probably say it's got to do more with his tolerance. Um, and that's yeah, why he was able to survive so. for like what, 10, 15, 20 minutes. He was able to stay up before passing out in the car. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to say. He seemed unnaturally loopy for a long, longer period of time than somebody I've usually seen get roofied. Oh, that at, least in terms of, at least in terms of movie statuses, because I haven't seen it in real life. But yeah, yeah, in terms of movies, it seems like usually like maybe 10, 15 minutes afterwards you get hit and then it's almost like an instantaneous you're knocked out. It shouldn't be that fast in all honesty. I mean, here here I go thinking like a scumbag, but if you roofie a girl in a public place, you don't want her to pass out in five or 10 minutes. You want her to pass out like in 20, 30 minutes when you're out of the bar. Like if she passes out in the bar, there's a chance that somebody's going to see her and they're going to call an ambulance or something. You want her to pass out later after you leave the bar, maybe in your car as you're driving somewhere. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I've never roofied a girl. I, I have taken a roofie purposely and yes it is powerful um i don't even think i passed out if i remember correctly i do remember being stupid for a good three four hours but i don't remember if i passed out it was one of those weird things where i just wanted to see what it does you know idiot teenagers blah 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 well yeah <laughs> i mean you could just generally compare to like being like buzzed versus drunk where you would want to be exiting when they're kind of like you can they need they might need to be assisted out of the bar but you don't want to be like you know carrying them over Very, your shoulder yep. like <laughs> yeah. yeah so they're I, i'm assuming they're designed to make you feel like a little off but they don't want you completely blacked out in yeah. the bar still i mean because they obviously most people are going to think that they're just drunk they're going to think you know when the roofie starts to take effect they're going to be like oh the drinks tonight must be really strong or whatever because i feel you know, more loopy than I usually do. And then eventually they would basically fall asleep. But yeah, I, I can't imagine you'd want that to happen while you're still in the bar or while you're still at the party or whatever, you know? 
Mm, okay, yeah. Well, I'm just yeah, figuring you, cause... you want you want their in you want their inhibitions dropped so they so the power of suggestion like oh are you okay well let me get you home like exactly. and to where they would be more likely to go along with it because they feel woozy but not straight up passed out. Yep. Uh, okay. Yep. All and right, I so, also, yeah, for just, the record, uh... have never roofied anybody or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm the only dumbass who roofied himself. So, but I do have. <laughs> Oh, I'm just saying, just uh, personal curiosity from a person that's never taken anything higher, more po- potent than an Advil. So there you go. <laughs> There's your drug education for the day. All right. So, uh, so like I said, they're able to get Lotus out of the party as they're driving around the city trying to get back to Lotus's house because before Lotus took the roofie, he told them that the story that they told him about the big mouth guy sounds vaguely familiar and that he might have a book about it back home. Uh, Obviously he passes out on the way home in the car, but then while they're still driving the Lotus's house, they see the little girl. Yes. The little girl from the opening scene who was swallowed whole by Chompy. They see her exactly. Uh, She looks kind of like a slightly older Carol Ann from Poltergeist, not quite the age that she is in Poltergeist, but maybe like four or five years older, maybe like, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, maybe is about where I put the girl in the movie. Um, so like I said, they see another one of her or they, they think it's her. They think it's the it's the same girl, but they obviously they can't make heads or tails of it. How could that girl have been swallowed yesterday? We witnessed it and now we're looking at her right now. So obviously they pull over. They speak to the girl. They find out that the girl's name is Birch, B-I-R-C-H, Birch, like the tree. And they start talking to her, asking her, you know, questions about what happened, like why she's out at 3.15 in the morning, because at this point it's past 3 a.m. And she's out, you know, she's a little girl walking around the streets by herself. Um, Jackson is the first one that really notices that there's something wrong with the answers that she's giving. They're not really consistent. She's not acting um, consistent with a scared little girl who's out when she's not supposed to be. But Sam, being the older man, uh, sympathizes with Birch. You know, he's like, she's just a little girl. Stop yelling at her. Stop grilling her. But Jackson continues with the the questions. Um, Jackson never is really convinced that that this is just a normal little girl who's lost at night. But they do eventually... Uh, see Chompy start walking down the street. They uh, basically they all see him. Birch instantly gets terrified, and basically they grab Birch. They put her in the car as well. So now all four of them, with passed out Lotus in the back seat, all leave the area, and you know they leave Chompy behind in the dust. They end up going back to Lotus's house. Once inside the house, Lotus completely passes out. He is just out cold, dead to the world at this point. But luckily, before he passed out, he was able to find some documentation about what they think they're dealing with. I'm not sure if it actually turned out to be the exact correct thing, but, you know, it it was pretty close. And at that point, uh, Jackson realizes that she hasn't seen Sam in a few minutes. Where's, you know, her father? Where's Sam? Uh, They end up going back out, or not they, she, because at this point Lotus has passed out. So she by herself ends up going out to the kitchen and noticing the little girl, Birch, bent over above a passed out Sam who's uh, flat on the ground, flat on the floor in the kitchen, and she's doing something to him. It's not really obvious to the viewing audience what exactly it is she's doing, uh, but she's hovering over him kind of doing something 
Jackson yells at Birch, you know, what are you doing? As soon as she notices that she's caught, she gets up and runs away and uh, goes into one of the other bedrooms in the house. At this point, she looks down at Sam and he looks dead. He's not breathing and his eyes are completely open. And she's like snapping her fingers, slapping him in the face, trying to wake him up. She starts freaking out, thinking that he's dead. But then he just comes to out of nowhere. He just, you know, sits up, wakes up. He's like, what the hell just happened? Um, Jackson explains to him that, you know, the little girl was doing something to you. I don't know what, but she was hovering over you. It looked almost like she was eating you, but not really. Um, at that point, Jackson realizes that there's something wrong with his foot and he takes off his cowboy boot, by the way, impressive cowboy boots in the movie. (laughs) Um, he ends up taking off one of his boots and he has a baby foot, uh, instead of his full size adult foot, he's got a child's foot there. Um, obviously at this point, we don't know why, uh, Birch would try to do this, but they start to realize that, you know, maybe Birch is, uh, more of the antagonist here that, you know, because she's, she's not giving us any legit answers. Um, you know, she's not telling us where she lives, where her parents are, blah, blah, blah. And now of course she's been caught doing something to Sam. So, uh, once we get that, once that's done, they end up leaving the house, uh, for one reason or another, they end up leaving Lotus at the house, which honestly, I thought Lotus had gotten completely transformed by then, but no. Um, so they end up going back to, where do they go after that? I think they go back to Jackson's apartment. And while there, Chompy shows up and Chompy is like right there standing in front of them, but he's not attacking them. And basically, Jackson and Sam, they're both terrified. They're standing in front of this creature that they witnessed swallow a child whole. And they're trying to, like, just talk to it. Like, what do you want? Do you want to kill us? Is it us specifically that you're after? Are you just after everybody? Are you after the little girl? Blah, blah, blah. And then Chompy makes a weird hand gesture, almost implying to them, jump into my mouth. Like he's pointing with his thumbs into his mouth and he gets down on his knees. I don't know if he gets down on his knees as a show of like, you know, um, kind of submission showing that I'm not going to attack you. Um, So he gets on his knees. He keeps imploring both Sam and Jackson to jump into his mouth. Uh, Jackson at this point, obviously, as we said, she's suicidal. She's a drug addict. She's like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, what do I got to lose? Uh, She ends up jumping in uh, his mouth. And then Jackson, of course, reluctantly follows. And once they're inside, they're in this, like I said, earlier I called it like a nether realm where they're basically just in a dark area um, with like purple and pink weird lights just kind of flashing and um, almost like amoeba designs kind of floating around. It's really hard to put into words, but, you know, if you saw it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, suddenly they hear a voice. And the voice that they hear is that of Mr. Udo Kier. Finally, we get Udo Kier, and it turns out he is the voice of Chompy. Um, So while they're inside, I guess, let's just say inside of Chompy. So while they're inside of Chompy, he speaks to them, and he tells them, I can't speak um, when I'm in your world. I can only speak here. I can I can do my job in your world, but I can't speak. And then we get the big reveal. Chompy is not the villain of this movie. Chompy explains to them that there is a demon who attaches itself to people. And then through 
that host uh, basically starts to assimilate the population, making them all look like the host. So you remember when uh, Jackson was, uh, excuse me, when Birch was hovering over Sam and then they noticed that he had a child foot underneath his boot. That was Birch trying to transform or assimilate Sam into another version of Birch. And that's kind of interesting because then later in the film, we'll actually get scenes we'll, where we'll see like a dozen Birches. We'll see like a dozen identical little blonde girls wearing the exact same thing, kind of running around. And, you know, um, not no one really knows what they're doing until Chompy, you know, explains it to us, like I said, in this scene. Um, basically Chompy makes the deal with them that, look, if you guys leave me alone and you never speak of this to anyone, I will let you go and just let me continue to do my work. Basically, Chompy is going around eating all of these assimilated people, like all the people that, uh, the original Birch is turning into, she's turning them into more Birches. He's going around and swallowing all of them, sending them back to that realm where they belong, where Chompy is from. Um, so yeah, there's our reveal. Basically, Chompy is the good guy, and now Jackson and Sam will now be working hand in hand with Chompy to try to get him, uh, you know, to complete his task. And unfortunately, literally 30 seconds after Sam and Jackson come out of Chompy and they kind of have their verbal agreement on what they're going to do, literally Chompy turns around, walks into the street and gets hit by a fucking car, killed instantly. And let's all guess who's driving the car. Of course, it's Debra. Yep. Sam's See, <laughs> see see and this is what i was referring to earlier when like i don't think that was necessarily meant to be like comedic but it was almost just the the awkward situation of the wife who's probably the most innocent character in it and she's <laughs> just coming she's just coming to pick up her husband and his like newfound daughter and she happens to accidentally murder the dude that's trying to save the world. Like, I just, I, I like yeah. laughed at that, even though I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be comedic. But I, I think it is. It. I, I think there's a little I, bit I of black comedy I, there. Yeah. I, I think this is probably like this is easily like the only real time that I actually did laugh, and I did think it was supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even still, it's not one of those like you know gut busting belly laughs that yeah. it's it's supposed to be. It's just one of those things where the characters finally know what they need to do. They know what Chompy's all about. And literally five seconds later, Chompy's dead. It's like, oh, shit. And of course, there's still half an hour left in the movie. So it's like, oh, shit. What the hell are we going to do without Chompy? Um, so obviously, Jackson doesn't really know what to do. Chompy's body is just lying in the street dead. He's very definitely dead, not moving, not breathing. Um uh, they they go ahead and they take Chompy's body and they put it in Lotus's house. Uh, don't forget, Lotus is passed out. He's completely passed out at this point. Uh, so they put it in Lotus's house. Literally, they just leave it in the kitchen and then they take off, which then, of course, gives us a mildly funny scene later on when Lotus finally does wake up and sees this giant mouthed monster <laughs> dead in his living or in his kitchen. Um, for some reason, I mean, God bless him for even thinking about this, but for some reason he decides to take Chompy's body, put it in the trunk of his car, and then go searching for Sam and Jackson. Uh, and by the way, I just realized that their name together is Sam Jackson. Hmm. 
I, I, the whole time I've been sitting here saying Sam and Jackson, and not once have I thought, you know, I'm sick of these motherfucking planes on this, you know, or snakes on this motherfucking plane. Go figure. Anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, the side thoughts of a drug addict. Sorry, folks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so at this point, um, I, we get a couple of more set pieces, you know, like I said, set pieces with multiple birches kind of going around the city attacking people turning them into, I said assimilate. I'm not sure if assimilate is really the proper word, kind of like, you know, fans of Star Trek, you know, obviously know about the Borg and how they assimilate people. So I guess, I don't know. I think the word still kind of fits. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with assimilate. Uh, But basically they're transforming all of their victims into more birches who can then go forth and continue transforming people into more birches. So there is a hive mind mentality there. Definitely. Um, so, like I said, a couple of set pieces here and there, and, and then we get kind of to our finale where um, Sam, Deborah, and Jackson are all trapped in uh, Lotus's house, and the house is basically surrounded by birches. Uh, all these little girls, uh, identical little girls, all surrounding the place, banging at the doors, banging at the windows, trying to get in, and eventually um, Lotus arrives with uh chompy in the trunk he finally gets back to his own house and realizes that sam and jackson are still there or there again and um he calls them from the cell phone uh on his cell phone from inside the car saying hey i'm here i got the car but my i'm surrounded by like a dozen little white bitches (laughs) basically all these little white girls uh trying to get into his car and everything else um jackson eventually decides well i gotta go get lotus um luckily these birches don't necessarily have any particular amount of strength because they're easily pushed over a couple of them are knocked out just by being punched mind you they're little girls so um apparently they have the equal strength of a little girl as well because you know we don't we don't really see any of the little girls do anything you know supernatural like you know whatever feats of strength, you know, bending anybody in half, pushing them off them, you know, whatever the case may be. So luckily the girls are fairly easy pushovers. Jackson goes out to get Lotus while, while they're out there, Lotus ends up popping the trunk, uh, letting Jackson see that he brought Chompy's body with him Cause for whatever reason, he didn't want to leave it in his house. And then, um, Jackson actually comes up with the idea of, Hmm, Chompy's mouth is still open. I wonder if we can still dump these birch children all in there. Can we can we still just jam them all in there and they'll still be taken care of? Lo and behold, she tries it. She grabs one of the birches. She dumps it into his mouth and it works. The, the, the child disappears into um, Chompy's mouth. And so that becomes the plan. They basically go around. They start grabbing all of the birches that they can, knocking them out, and then, you know, throwing them into Chompy's mouth. Eventually, one of the birches um, actually comes to and wakes up while she's being dumped into Chompy. And she grabs Jackson and pulls her in with her. So now Jackson and multiple birches are inside of a dead Chompy. And Chompy is still very dead. We do not hear his voice again the rest of the movie. Um, so it basically at this point turns, it's Jackson and Sam versus the world. Um, this world of birches that are trying to destroy them. Um, while Sam, or excuse me, while Jackson is inside of Chompy, uh, Lotus is still continuing to throw birches into Chompy's mouth. 
And whenever a new birch appears in that nether realm I was talking about, um, they basically just disappear. It's almost like as soon as they get into that realm, um, the evil or whatever that's powering them just kind of disappears. And then Chompy spits out the original person. So it's actually kind of funny because at the end of the movie, every single person that Chompy ate, including the original Birch, are all on Lotus's front yard. Like no one knows why they're there. Obviously, there's there's um, reunions. Birch is reunited with her parents who apparently were also eaten by Chompy or should I say assimilated and then eaten by Chompy. So, you know, that was kind of a, a little heartwarming moment there. But yeah, uh, back to Jackson. Obviously, she it feels like she's trapped in there because, you know, she can't get out without Chompy's help. Chompy is very dead. It's easy to get in there, but uh, apparently, you know, um, they needed Chompy alive for him to kind of spit them back out. So uh, eventually what happens is when one of the birches is thrown down into Chompy's mouth, Jackson decides, well, the only way to stop this is to free Birch, is to take the evil, the demon, whatever it is that's attached itself to Birch and take it upon herself. And she will be basically the new Birch. Um, They show a scene of her kind of pulling this black kind of cloud figure off of uh, an image of Birch. And basically she takes it into herself. So now um jackson is now possessed by whatever this demon is who's trying to assimilate the world and birch is now completely free and what what ends up happening is at the moment that jackson takes over um the demon from birch all of the birches that are still out in the real world instantly turn into jackson's unfortunately we don't actually see the transformation uh, basically, the next time that we see the real world, we see a bunch of Jacksons instead of Birches all over the place, which, you know, now you're talking about an adult woman. That could definitely be a, a little more problematic to have thousands of them going around trying to assimilate people. Um, but eventually, for whatever reason, and uh, see, this is the thing I don't like about certain movies. To me, this comes off as weak writing. Basically... I, um, Jackson just kind of decides that she doesn't want the demon attached to her. I don't, I don't know what the hell she does, but she's literally in the nether realm and she just starts like fighting the demon, like trying to pull um, the black stuff, the black smoke off of her. It's all CG, obviously. Um, she's trying to do this at the, at that exact moment, uh, Sam shows up in, in the nether realm. So obviously, uh, you know, one of the Jacksons out in the real world was able to assimilate Sam, her father. So now Sam and Jackson are together in this nether realm. Sam ends up trying to, you know, help her, uh, get rid of this demon that's attached to her, you know, basically screams the obvious, get off my daughter, blah, blah, blah. We get the emotional moment. And then they are able to get the demon off of her. I don't know how or why. Again, no explanation. Just take it at face value. Uh, They are able to get uh, the demon off of Jackson. But unfortunately, Sam and Jackson are still inside of Chompy with no real way to get out. Um, eventually Lotus comes up with the idea to use literally the exact same rope that Jackson tried to hang herself with at the beginning of the movie. He throws that rope into Chompy's mouth and he is then able to pull out Jackson and Sam. 
And then the last five minutes of their movie is just sappy, sappy, happy ending. Oh, I love you. Oh, I miss you. Oh, that, that. it's just so sugary. It almost made me sick. Um, the only cool thing that I really liked about the ending is how Deborah and Sam they seem like they're still going to get divorced. Like they actually say, Oh, I think we're going to get a divorce, but it also looks like they're friends. And that's something that they never were at any point in the movie. They even mention that they maybe should have never gotten married because they haven't been true friends with each other since um, the engagement. Um, so it, it's kind of, it, it's kind of bittersweet. They're still going to get a divorce, but at least now they're friends. They talk to each other and who knows, you know, who knows what might happen in the coming days or weeks. Um, but yeah, that's it folks. That's, uh, Chompy and the girls 2021. Uh, um, I don't know if my description did any justice for the movie, if it made it sound actually better than it was or worse. I don't know. But like I said, it's only it's under 90 minutes. It's just a shade under 90 minutes. Um, it's not the worst horror comedy I've seen. It's it's not even the worst horror comedy I've seen this year, honestly. So, yeah. same here. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, like I said, it's a very dry kind of comedy. It's not laugh out loud, side splitting, belly busting laughing by any stretch but if you are a fan of that kind of dry humor and that that kind of humor that you get when people from different walks of life get together and interact with each other then you might kind of like this movie i mean like i said chompy himself was kind of quirky um i actually liked them more before the reveal once we actually get the reveal that he's the hero of this whole thing and it's not just because he's the hero it's just it, it kind of changes the tone of the whole thing on top of the fact that he dies like a minute after the reveal anyway. So um, it, it is kind of weird, but I did, like I said, the, the kind of, it follows chompy. I was, I was getting into for the first like, you know, hour or so of the movie. So yeah, the movie's got some quality stuff in there, folks, you know, don't let, don't let us convince you that it's quote unquote, a bad movie. It's not, it's just not going to be for everybody. And unfortunately it seems like Mike is the only one who really, um, you know, found um, a lot of entertainment out of it. I found a little bit, you know, like I said, I didn't hate this movie by any stretch, but it's definitely any, not anything that I'll probably watch again for whatever reason. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, nothing really that I'm going to look forward to or really probably even remember, but yeah, uh, it's not like I, you know, felt like I wasted my time with it, but yeah, there's just very little else here to remember. Yeah. If you like quirky comedy, Chompy's for you. <laughs> I guess I just don't like quirkiness as much as I thought I did. <laughs> Mike? Well, it's like I said earlier, quirky doesn't always mean funny. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ah. uh, yeah. I mean, it was all right. I liked it a little more than you guys, but I didn't think it was great or yeah. anything. Yeah, the only thing I walk away from the movie wondering is what the hell happens to Chompy's body now? <laughs> is he just going to sit in the trunk forever? <laughs> they, they don't give us any kind of answer as to what happened. Like, they should have given us a funeral scene or or maybe show that they're keeping Chompy just in case, you know, any more of those demon things show up. I don't know. It, it's just a plot point that's left dangling. So, whatever. No biggie. <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode uh venom where can people hear you all right oh i'll try to be as quick as possible no more room in hell the main show we recorded episode what 37 last night mike 37 was it 
For 37. Uh, yes, 37. Uh, we recorded episode 37 last night. They were Derek's picks, and we take we took a look at 1972's Tower of Evil and 1974's Frightmare, also known as Once Upon a Frightmare for its uh, American VHS release. Um, let's see. Um, obviously, last week I mentioned uh, the new venture under the No More Room in Hell banner, Creature Comforts. Um, that episode is now almost ready to drop. It will probably be out before the end of the week. So like I said, before October 1st, um, on your No More Room in Hell feed, you should see uh, episode one of Creature Comforts, where Derek, Don, and myself looked at the original 1933 King Kong in, in all of its black and white glory. Um, so check that out uh, on It's Not Horror OK. We recorded our final episode of the season. For those who don't know, we j we tend to take October off on It's Not Horror, um, hence the title, It's Not Horror. So why should we do a show in October uh, when all of us are, are horror movie podcasters and we all have other responsibilities to deal with? So yeah, It's Not Horror will be off for the month of October. We'll be back sometime in mid-November. But for our final episode of the season, we did take a look at 1986's Thunder Run, which is, uh, you know, kind of a straight laced, gritty action movie from the mid 80s, which uh, we ended up liking a lot more than we thought we would. So check that out. Um, it's uh, what do you call it? In the Mike of Madness will be making its triumphant return after taking the summer off. Rebecca Reinhardt is finally done with all of her little independent film projects that she's been working on. Um, and she's back and ready to podcast. So her and I will be planning our next episode of In the Mic of Madness, which should be available sometime in October, hopefully early October, so that we can maybe do another one in late October. But we'll see how things go. Um, I did a guest spot on the Jacked Up Review show earlier last week, where we we basically just had an open discussion on our favorite Mystery Science Theater and Riff Tracks episodes. Um, it's one of, it's the first time in my podcasting career that I got to talk about mystery science theater, which is one of my favorite things ever TV show, um, you know, whatever kind of media or art you want to go with MST is literally one of my favorite things in the world. So, uh, it was a it was great to check that out. I'm not sure the episode number on that one, um, cause they do two episodes a week. So, um, uh, I'm sure if you follow that show or if you go to their website, I'm sure you'll find the Mystery Science Theater episode with yours truly on there. Um, next week, I will be making an appearance on the Joe Blow Horror Show. We're going to be looking at um, Day of the Dead, the, the real Day of the Dead, none of the terrible remakes or reboots or anything that have come out since then. Uh, so, yeah, uh, once again, getting to talk about a Romero classic. So look out for that sometime in the next, uh, I'd say, two weeks or so, uh, like I said, that uh, guest spot is going to be recorded next week, so look out for that. Uh, Joe Blow is an independent horror show, so you can find that on Podbean, so check that out. And then pretty much everything else that I talked about today is available on the Dark Discussions podcast network, darkdiscussions.com. That's it for me, Mike. All right, what you got, Don? Uh, okay, so uh, once again, other than uh, Creature Comforts coming out, probably maybe right around the time this comes out, uh, depending on Venom's editing skills, um, we are happy to announce that uh, the other show 
uh, underwater kaiju from outer space will be making its return uh, within the week. Uh, we have a date scheduled, lined up, and uh, we're just waiting on uh, that date to arrive to uh, record our triumphant return. Um, I mentioned last time that the uh, my guest spot on the uh, Phantom Galaxy podcast, where we looked at uh, Indonesian horror, uh, it has uh, been recorded. We are. It was a, a general overview of um, old school Indonesian horror. We talked a little bit about uh, some of the modern stuff, but we looked more at um, the early '80s. Uh, so that was. Uh, that's recorded. It should be out probably again right around the time that you hear this episode. Uh, you can find them online. They're pretty easy. And uh, I also managed to secure um, it hasn't been recorded yet, but I managed to secure a, uh, another guest spot. This one is going to be on uh, Indie Film Cafe. Um, at least I think that's what it is because the guy I talked to runs the network, but he has like eight or nine different shows, so I don't know if that's actually the one we're doing because i i don't know much more other than i'm going to be looking at a film called oh god memory don't fail me now uh uh butchers um yeah um it, it we're supposed to record that within the next couple days so um yeah i i don't know if it's for a, a, the it, the guy that run the guy that contacted me to do the guest spot runs um a network called Indie Film Cafe but I don't know if it's actually specifically for that show or for one of one of the others cuz he has like six or seven different shows that he hosts under the network banner and one of them is a, a show called Indie Film Cafe so I don't I I can't tell you for sure um you'll have to wait until it's recorded and out so before you know any further, but um, that one should be out sometime in October, from what I'm told. Um, also based on the uh, proximity to the recording dates. So, yeah, um, guess that's uh, it for me. All right, for me, yeah, it's just no more room in hell number thirty-seven. Which, if you're hearing this, probably that'll be out within a couple days from now. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Are, are we going back to the theater next week for Fresh Cuts? I can't remember. I don't think so. Because but... this Friday will be the first Friday of October, I believe. Right. Be the first Friday? Or... I think it was uh, the second one, because that's Halloween Kills, right? That's the second week? It, it might think? be. I, I, isn't, this, isn't this October weird? Like, there's not even a theater. Oh, Venom. We, we got Venom this week. Well, I got Venom, not you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe that's what Mike's thinking. Make me, maybe that's what Mike was thinking of. Yeah. Halloween Kills October 15th. Uh, so that's, what, two weeks from Friday? Oh, Ghostbusters isn't until November. Um. Yeah, there's there's nothing opening this week for us anyway. So VOD. <laughs> All right, that's no problem. There's plenty there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Fresh Cuts. Thanks everyone for listening. We will be back in a week to talk about something else, another new release, many which we have to choose from. So uh, with that, we're going to get out of here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Let's say bye, listeners. Later. Chomp, chomp, chomp.